Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and tonight I fly solo. I'm going to be talking about common mistakes Christians make. So tonight is Sunday, November 20th, and you've got me and only me. But with that being said, I am going to go over this idea that I kind of wanted to talk about a little bit, and it came up from me talking to some friends and talking to different preachers, and it just kind of gave me this idea of something that needs to be discussed, and this is common mistakes that Christians make. So we'll see how this goes tonight. I always wonder how it's going to go when I am flying solo. It's a lot easier with another person. It breaks things up. With any luck, some of you folks that are listening will clack a clack, type on in some questions and comments and be a part of the show and it makes it a little easier. But if not, that's okay because I'm just going to talk about the Bible for an hour and that's not really that hard to do. There's plenty of material. So this message is for the Christian who wants to be closer to God, but is scared to go there. This message is also for the Christian who wants to be closer to God, but doesn't know how to get there. I think there are plenty of folks in America who are just fine with where they are at as a Christian. Whatever level that is. Uh, I don't know if you want to call it a scale of 1 to 10. Okay. Let's say they're cruising along at a 4 and they're just fine being a 4. Okay. They do enough. They punch their card, you know, punch the clock every Sunday when they go to church. Uh, They stopped cursing for the most part. You know, they're not that bad of a person. Uh, They, you know read bits and pieces of their Bible once in a while, and they're happy with that, and that's it. I don't know how to help those folks. I really don't. Other than if you have people like that in your life, you need to pray for them because God can change their heart. He can do it drastically, and he can do it with amazing results. But until God softens that heart and gets people to be in a place where they want to get closer to him, I don't know what to do for them. All I can do is pray and leave them in God's hands, and hopefully he works on them and gives them a soft heart, and then they're ready to go. And and Jesus talks about this. Jesus talks about how there is a tree that's not producing fruit, and somebody says, you know what, Master, we just need to yank this thing on out of here and get rid of it because it's not doing anything, and we need to give that ground to another tree, a tree that is going to do something. And the master says, no, 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 before we do that, let's put some effort into this tree. We're going to dig around it. We're going to loosen up the soil. Okay, we're going to fertilize it. We're going to water it. We're going to do all these things to try to get this tree to produce fruit. We're going to prune the branches. And if after that we get nothing, well, then we're going to have to go on to some other measures. So, this message is for the Christian that just deep down in, in inside, they feel like, I need to be taking this God thing seriously. I need to be taking my Christianity seriously. I want to do something for God. I want to follow God. I want to get closer to God. But one of two things is now in the way. Number one, I am scared to do it. I am scared to take steps to get closer to God. It's stepping out into the abyss. I don't know what it's going to be like. I have all these fears. I, I, that's what's keeping me. Number two, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what steps to take. To the Christian who has a desire to get closer to God but is scared to do it, let me say this. Every Christian who is currently close to God, who has a relationship with God that you envy, they have something you want. Every Christian that is doing great things for God, they were scared to go get close to God at some point as well. Personally, I can tell you that I had so many battles with God. You're, 
do you guys remember the story in in genesis when we're talking about uh jacob and jacob goes off and he goes and gets his wife and he he ends up with a second one and then he kind of ends up with four and and he comes back and he's he's heading back into a a land and he's going to run into his brother and his brother really didn't like him that much and uh jacob it says that he wrestled with god and there was this night where he it, the way the bible reads the story says he wrestled with him all night long i have had nights like that where i could not sleep and i took long walks and i talked to god for hours because i was so scared to death of moving forward and doing what god wants because i didn't know what was on the other side but my soul was tormented because i knew i wasn't doing what god wanted me to do i knew that god wanted me to take him seriously and wanted me to take steps in his direction but i also knew what that was gonna look like because if i was going to obey the bible and do what god said then that means that i am going to in some some way to some degree i am going to look like a weirdo to my friends to my family to my co-workers to somebody and that was very uncomfortable and then the things that god wanted me or expected me to believe out of the bible i also had some difficulties with there were a lot of things that were uncomfortable about wanting to run after god full speed and get close to god but at the same time i remember i was reading books about all these great men of god that did these great things throughout time i read about these great missionaries uh hudson taylor over to uh east asia and david livingston over to uh africa and even more modern missionaries that went to different places around the world and saw amazing things happen and you know these great preachers that i read about uh through history and what they did uh dl moody and what he did during the civil war and uh and charles spurgeon and all these different people that i read about and i i thought to myself my life can have purpose i can do something great for god i can see people get saved and go to heaven i can transform lives if god will just use me to do his will if god can use these other folks he can use me and I wrestled with these things and I, I was I was scared because I didn't know what was on the other side. So to the Christian who is scared that God is going to call you to do something you don't want to do, um, you're scared because you don't want to appear to be a Jesus freak or a, you know, one of them Bible thumpers. You don't want to be one of those folks. Uh, this message is somewhat for you every christian that ever did something great for god was in your shoes and i will tell you this there are certainly times and places around the world where it was a little bit easier to go all in for god because that was the culture at the time uh nowadays it's 2022 it's in america and let's face it there are some areas where christianity is a big deal and it is normal and and people are for that but even in those areas folks are not comfortable with a christian taking off and running full speed at god and no matter what is in the way they say i want to do god's will and i'm just going to go for it and you see this in the story and the life of christ when when the life of christ was coming to an end and we knew that he was going to go to the cross we read about the last supper when they all gathered in the upper room how many people were up there how many of the apostles were there with jesus well there were 12 and then after that then they go to the garden and we find out that there were you know some in the garden there were three okay that got to see something special and then you get to the cross and you find there's only one people are not comfortable with you running full speed after god and i'm talking about your mom and your dad who raised you 
in church. I'm talking about the people who sit next to you in church that tell you good things about you and your family and what you're doing and they're proud of you because of the Christian you are. Even those people will feel uncomfortable when you drop all those weights and just run after God with everything that you have. They will discourage you from doing so. And you should count yourself lucky if you have even one friend in this world that says, you know what, go for it. Good for you. I'm not there, but I'm glad that you're running. You're an encouragement to me. I'm going to pray for you. Good job. Keep it up. Go for it. So we're all at different points in our Christianity, and I understand that we're This is a podcast, and let's face it, it's going to reach whoever it reaches. And some folks, they don't go to church, and they are struggling to make church a priority. They go to church once every month, once every couple of months, and and they kind of feel like they should be doing it more, and that's their struggle. And, And there are plenty of Christians that don't read their Bible. And maybe that's where they are. And that's something where they're like, oh, man, I know if I'm going to if I'm going to get close to God and if I'm going to take this thing seriously, I got to read my Bible. I mean, for crying out loud, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do, but I have to at least be reading my Bible. God wrote one book. Shouldn't I have read through it at least one time before I die? Well, the answer to that is yes. But that's where some folks are. And friends, I have been in those places where that was my struggle. Do you know that whatever your struggle is, it's probably different than the person sitting next to you at church? And whatever your struggle is, God is putting pressure on you to take a step closer to him and overcome whatever it is you are struggling with but that might be different from other people and that's fine god has a list and he says okay buddy this is number one for you this is the first thing we need to deal with and after that then we're going to move on to the next one and your list might be different from someone else's but i guarantee you reading the bible that's going to be on everybody's list and that's something that sooner or later we are going to have to overcome as a christian as far as making that a priority and sitting down and reading that book every day some christians you ready for this one might be dating somebody that they just know is not good for them and they know that they should call it quits but man is it difficult to do that Maybe they're just not ready to call it quits on that relationship that is just bad for them. The person they are dating does not want anything to do with Jesus or the Bible, nothing to do with church. It's just not good, and they should be doing something else. You're going to run into that. Others are trying to give up a sin that they just can't imagine living without. happens in the life of every christian there's some sin that easily besets you it gets in the way of you being closer to god you know it's something that's a hang-up that you need to get right in your life some christians you ready for this are being called to pastor a church and they're dragging their feet there are others that are being called to the mission field and they don't want to make the commitment And this happens from time to time. No matter where you are, you're dragging your feet. You're not ready to make that step. Do you know that America is no longer the number one country that sends out missionaries? We used to be. You go back 50 years, we sent out more missionaries than every other country on earth. That's not the case anymore. Now we are down to number three. South Korea and the Philippines send out more missionaries than America does every year. No matter where you are as a Christian, God wants you to take a step towards him. Did you hear that? It doesn't matter where you are. God wants you to make one step in his direction. You probably even know 
what that step is that I'm talking about. The odds are pretty high that the Holy Spirit is putting pressure on you and might have been doing this for days or weeks or months. I have no idea. But the Holy Spirit has spoken to you pretty clearly. Now, God has not really ever used an audible voice, uh, an audible, an audible voice when he talks to me. He has used the voice of preachers lots of times where I'm like, wow, that is for me. I, I hear you loud and clear. But I never got a booming voice out of the sky. I've kind of always wanted one. Never got one. But either way, when God speaks to you, it's much louder than a big booming voice out of the sky. And the Holy Spirit has probably already been putting pressure on you to make a step in the direction of God over this one thing, whatever it is. And I don't know what it is. And you got to remember, we're all different. So <laughs> this is pretty universally applicable. Maybe you've been pretending that you don't really hear God. But we both know you do hear God. You're just ignoring him. I get that because I've ignored God before. Lots of folks have ignored God. As a matter of fact, there's a famous story in the Bible of one guy that tries to ignore God. He tries to do it. I mean, this guy works hard at ignoring God. And this is the book of Jonah. The book of Jonah, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but you can look it up. I mean, I think the book is only four or five chapters. It's not very long, so you can read through the whole thing pretty quick. The point of the whole story is that it doesn't work. The pressure mounts and we become more and more miserable. We become more and more miserable until we submit to God's plan. I will tell you this from personal experience. Friend, if you want joy and peace in your life, submit to God. That is the only thing that I have found that brings joy and peace to my life. There are lots of things that make me happy. There are lots of things that I love. But as far as purpose and joy and peace, these things come when we submit to God. There is good news. And this good news is found in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There are two main points we want to get from this verse. And this is a great verse. This is one of these verses that, I mean, honestly, we should kind of really have memorized. If this isn't, if you're not, I don't know, if you're not into memorizing verses, this is probably a good one to start with, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. God's thoughts and God's ways are different from ours. That's the first point. Did you know that means that when you search for answers in the Bible, you should not be finding answers that you like and enjoy? You should not be finding answers that are comfortable and palatable. You should be finding answers in the Bible that are uncomfortable because the way you do things and the way you think about things, it's totally different from the way God does things and the way God thinks about things. And keep in mind that obviously that goes for me too. So when we search the Bible for answers, if we find an answer where we're like, yep, it's just the way I, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. You're probably forcing something out of that book. Number two, God's ways are better than our ways. And that's really good news. As a matter of fact, 
these two verses, verses 8 and 9 in Isaiah 55, are very good news. There is a reason Christians are scared to get closer to God. And that is, it is new and it doesn't make sense. Those two things are always scary. Let me read the verse again. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God's thoughts and God's ways are different from ours. That means that the way God does things won't make sense to us. Do you know that it's set up that way on purpose? God wants us to trust him, and God wants us to have faith in him. If everything God did and the way God thinks just was logical and made sense all the time, it's exactly the way we would do it, there wouldn't be any need for faith. The way God does it is God goes into battle against impossible odds. Impossible. He does that to make sure that he gets all the glory. See, God doesn't want us thinking, well, we did that. We're just so great. He wants us to know for sure that it was him. There's a story in the book of Judges, and you can find this story in Judges chapters 6, 7, and 8. This is the story of Gideon. I'm not going to get into the whole story, but I will tell you that the man Gideon was told by God to raise an army and go fight the Midianites. Then Gideon, who raises this army, and by the way, is scared to death to fight the Midianites. He is told by God, yeah, Gideon, you're going to have to send a bunch of these guys home. You just got way too many guys to go off to war, so uh, you're going to have to send most of them home. Then after that, God says it again. And God gets Gideon down to 300 guys who are going to face 135,000 professional soldiers. God set Gideon up with odds of 450 to 1. The odds were so ridiculous that a miracle was necessary. And therefore, God was going to get the glory. God is the one that leads the nation of Israel into a dead end, where their back is up against the sea. And then the most powerful army on earth at the time, the Egyptian army, is chasing after them. And the Egyptian army corners them there, and they see the chariots coming. They know that they're in trouble. They know that they're all going to get mowed down and murdered right there. And then God brings in this cloud and separates them. The cloud was so thick that the Egyptians didn't even want to go through it. And the Israelites were backed up against this sea. And everyone was so scared. And God says, Moses, here's what you're going to do. Okay. We're going to just part this sea, and you guys are going to walk through the sea on dry ground. And keep in mind, before this happens, the Israelites were complaining to Moses, why did we ever follow you? Why did we ever let you lead us out of Egypt? At least back in Egypt, we had food to eat, and the armies weren't going to chase us down and kill us. And woe is me. Look where we are now. And Moses does what God says, sees part go right through on dry ground. Pharaoh follows. The entire army drowns. They get to the other side. And what do they do? They immediately start complaining. God wants impossible situations to make sure that he gets the glory. 
that's the reason so many things don't make sense to us and the way things the way god does things is different than the way we would do things now with gideon even though god tells gideon that he's going to win the battle Gideon is still scared. And it says this in the Bible when you read this story. And again, the story is three chapters long. If you've heard Gideon talked about a dozen times uh, in church and you've never read the story, go to the book of Judges, read chapters six, seven, and eight. Then you'll know the story. Gideon is still scared, and God understands that we will be scared. In this case, with Gideon, he makes provision for Gideon's fear. Fear is not a lack of faith. Fear is actually way too much faith in the wrong thing. Fear happens when we put our faith in ourselves instead of God. Fear happens when we put our faith in different things instead of God. When my faith is in my bank account, well, that's pretty scary. When my faith is in God, size of my bank account doesn't matter as much. In Matthew chapter 14, there is one of the more famous stories about Jesus. It's when Jesus walks on water. Leading up to the event, Jesus and the 12 apostles finish a miracle where there are 5,000 people out there listening to Jesus, and apparently nobody brought lunch, and everybody's hungry, and Jesus says, look, we got to feed these people. Uh, what do we got? And the apostles, you know, look at each other like, what are you talking about? What do we have? There's, you know, there's a dozen of us. There are 5,000 people here. And they're like, uh, what do we got? Okay, well, there's a kid over here. He's got a lunch. Let's steal it from him. Okay, looks like we have five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus says, okay, great. Let's have everyone sit down, and we're going to pray and bless the food, and you guys are going to distribute it. And the apostles, I can only imagine what they're thinking. They're like, oh, okay, great. Can't wait to see how this goes. We'll just divide up the five loaves and the two fish, and we'll start handing those out, you know, and see how far down the line we get. So the apostles were the ones handing out the food, and the food just never ran out. They kept reaching into the basket and handing out more fish and more bread to people, and it never ran out. And then when they were done, they gathered up everything left over in the baskets, and it turned out they had more than when they started. So the apostles got to be a part of this miracle firsthand. They literally used their hands and saw this miracle in action. Then Jesus says, okay, you guys are going to get in the boat. And head on over to the other side of the sea. It was the Sea of Galilee. And he says, I'm going to catch up. So Jesus goes off by himself and he prays. And the folks get into the boat and they head across the Sea of Galilee. And, oh, I don't remember the details. But sometime in the middle of the night, Jesus is like, well, I better catch up to these guys. So he just goes walking on the water out to the boat. And when they see him approaching the boat, they are reasonably disturbed. They don't know what's going on. They see a guy walking on the water. This is scary. And they kind of freak out a little. And Jesus says, hey, calm down. It's me. Don't worry about it. And Peter immediately pipes up and he's like, hey, Jesus, if that's really you, bid me to come on to you so I can walk on the water. And Jesus says, come on. So Peter jumps out of the boat, walks on the water, and walks on over to Jesus. Now, this must have been amazing. There are a couple of really great points that we can get from this portion of the Bible. Number one, 12 of them had the opportunity to walk on water. Only one did. I believe all 12 were scared. Peter was the only one that didn't let his fear 
get in the way of this great thing that he wanted to do with God. The interesting thing in Matthew chapter 14 in verses 30 and 31 we read but when he saw the wind boisterous he was afraid this is talking about peter and beginning to sink he cried saying lord save me and immediately jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him O thou of little faith wherefore didst thou doubt peter takes his eyes off of Jesus and begins to focus on the wind and the waves, he gets scared and he sinks. All of us are fine when we are focusing on the Lord. When our faith is in the Lord, we do great. As soon as we put our faith in ourselves, things start to fall apart and we begin to sink. Now, folks, again, remember, this is not, these are not numbers to to fight and die over, but less than 10% of the apostles at this point were willing to step out in faith when they were scared and do what they had to do to get closer to Jesus. Only one of them was willing to do it. When you feel drawn by God to get closer to him and you feel like God is telling you, you are the one I want to do stuff with. I need you to take steps towards me and we can get going. It is scary because you don't know what's next you don't know what god is going to call you to you don't know what god is going to require of you you don't know what god is going to ask you to give up and these things are scary less than 10 percent of christians are going to take god very seriously it is not easy to get Christians moving in the direction of God. It is not easy to get Christians to drop every weight in the sin that besets them and run with patience the course that is laid out before them. I believe God calls every Christian to come and do something great. And all of those great things are very different. But God has a plan. God has a purpose. God did not get you saved just so you could go to church once every couple of months and think good thoughts around the holidays that you're a Christian and enjoy Christmas music. God wants something out of you. God has something for you to do for him that will bring you fulfillment and joy and purpose in your life and true happiness. A lot of folks are not willing to drop the weight and run. And a lot of times it's because it's scary. There's wind, there's waves. God's asking me to do something that seems impossible like walk on water. Let's look at our main verse again. Uh, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. The good news here is that God's ways are better than our ways. I've heard people say, that they want to follow God, but they are scared God will call them to be a missionary out in Africa, and they just don't want to go. Now, I think with that idea, there are two misconceptions. Number one, these people don't really want to follow God. They say they do, but they don't understand what comes with that. 
following God isn't always easy or convenient or fun. When we want to follow God, it's because we know that it's best. Even when it's difficult, his ways are still better than whatever I can come up with. So I know that going in God's direction and doing things God's ways are going to be what's best. It doesn't matter if it's an uphill battle. It doesn't matter what's required of me. I know it's best. Personally speaking, I'm happy and I'm at peace when I follow God. Do you know that I am not happy or at peace when my bank account is full? I'm just not. Now, don't get me wrong. I would much rather it be full than empty. But I've been rich and I've been poor and I can tell you that I worry about money at both of those times. I have financial insecurity when I'm rich and I have financial insecurity when I'm poor. I do not worry about money when I'm close to God and following him. Not worried about it. I'm at peace. I've got joy. Not worried about it. The second misconception with a lot of folks is that God is going to call us to do something we hate. Now, listen up here. We're going to look at another verse. I am going to pull it up and I am almost going to be positive that it's going to take like five minutes for this to work out. Okay, so this is in Psalm 37, verse 4. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I'm going to read that again. Delight thyself also in the desires of the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. There are two ways to read this verse. I think they are both true if we delight ourselves in the Lord. That simply means you are delighted to do God's will. You know, read the Bible, pray, go to church, pay your tithe, love your neighbor, love your enemy, and so on. If you delight in the Lord, then the first way we can read this verse is that you have desires in your heart and God will make them come true. And sometimes that's the way that it works. You have desires and God is going to make them come true. The second way we can read this verse is that God will give you the desires That means that God will actually change your desires to his will. The second one happened to me recently. I started a church and became a pastor just over two years ago. For about 15 years prior to that, my Christianity was not moving me in the direction of wanting to start a church. Um, I had no desire to become a pastor. I mean, just 100% did not care about that idea. Now, I love teaching the Bible, but let someone else be the pastor. You know, I'll teach a Sunday school class. I'll fill in the pulpit. I'll help out in some ways, but I just did not see myself being a pastor of a church. Had no desire whatsoever. Today, I love being a pastor of a church. God changed my heart when the time was right. So I had these desires, which were different, and God changed the desires. He gave me new desires that lined up with his will. 
So these people that are, oh, I'm just so scared, you know, if I follow God and I submit to God and I say, God, I'll do whatever you want, that God's going to send me to Africa where there's no air conditioning and I can't play Minecraft. Folks, whatever God's will is for your life, if you delight yourself in the Lord and you submit yourself to God, he is going to give you desires. And sometimes those are going to be new desires that are going to fit in just perfectly with what you want to do and what God is going to have you do. So you are all hot and bothered about, you know, going here and doing this. And then all of a sudden, guess what? God says, Hey, I'm going to give you some desires because this is what I need from you now. And all of a sudden, bada bing, whatever God says, you are going to go and do, and man, you're just going to love it. You never even imagined that you could love it. And here you are doing something different, doing God's will, and it is just wonderful. Yeah, it's almost supernatural. Now, I should also say that my wife never wanted to be a pastor's wife. I mean, she told me that more than I even thought that I did not want to be a pastor. Today, she likes it. God changed me and my family and my wife, and he changed us for the better, and it was a great thing. It worked out. It was wonderful. Now, I say all that to say this. Don't be scared to follow God and get close to him. Step into the water. Wade out a little bit deeper. Here are some common mistakes that Christians make. I think we're just going to go over the first one, and then we are probably going to call it quits just because we're moving along here on time. All right, so one of the common mistakes that Christians make, if if I were to go over this, um, I had six of them listed. I think I'm only going to get to the first one. The first one is thinking what you think matters. One of the biggest misconceptions is thinking that our opinions matter. When we are talking about the Christian life, the way I want to do things, the way I think things should be done, the way I feel about things, it doesn't matter. In America today, we have what I call a Burger King mentality. Do you know what the motto of Burger King is? Have it your way. We are not supposed to be Burger King Christians. We are not supposed to be or feel entitled that we should have it our way and things should go our way. That is one of the biggest mistakes Christians can make, and it will keep you from ever being able to get close to God, this Burger King Christianity. In Christianity, we are supposed to do it God's way. Out of all the things that God is, God is the creator. God is the king. He makes the rules. It is our job just to follow those rules. I love the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. I do. It's a great hymn. We sing it at my church. I love it. But far too many people have the wrong idea. Far too many people have this idea that Jesus is their buddy and the two of you are just kind of, you know, chit-chatting about stuff and, you know, Jesus is offering his opinions and, you know, you're going to take what you like and leave the rest like a, like it's some kind of a buffet line at Golden Corral. That's not the way it is. The way it is is he is the father. He is the creator. He is the king. He sets down the rules. Our job is to get in line. Our job is not to think that we are <laughs> we are not equal with God. Our opinions are definitely not equal with God. I, Patrick Hayes, am not important. If I were, 
God would have asked for my opinion a lot more often. God doesn't call me up to see what I think about something. In the book of James, uh, in verses, I'm sorry, in the book of James, chapter 4, in verses 7 through, I think I'm going to go through 10, we read, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Does that sound like you and a buddy just hanging out? (laughs) That's not the dynamic of the relationship. We're not buddies. He is the king. We are his servant. Now, I know there are other dynamics that we read about, father and child, you know, groom and bride. I understand there's lots of them. But please understand, the problem we have today is with submission. It is we do not want to submit to God's ways of doing things. That's where we have problems. James chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. The two big words there are submission and humility. Those are dirty words to a lot of Christians. I am just going to go ahead and say that far too many people in the world today have a problem with entitlement. They think they deserve something that they do not. They believe they are more important than they are. We see far too many people getting on Facebook and YouTube and TikTok and becoming famous and becoming rich and then everyone thinks they're important. They're not. They're just some idiot that can sing a song or do a dance or, you know, tell jokes. That's great. I'm glad for all of them. But when it comes down to us and God, I am not special. I am not important. I am to submit to God and I am to recognize my place in the pecking order. Do you know that Jesus set up a system? If you are actually important in God's pecking order, do you know what your job is? Because Jesus set this up and he demonstrates church leadership at the Last Supper. Jesus, who was in charge, who was the most important guy in the room, what did he do? He washed the apostles' feet. He said, first will be last. You will be the servant of all. If you want to be a big shot as a Christian, then your job is to serve everybody. Your job is to go last. Your job is to wash their feet. That was the model that Jesus gave for pastors and church leadership. It's not a popular model because that doesn't give room for the you know, popular rock star, everyone focus on me, I'm entitled, I'm important, kind of Burger King Christian mentality that far too many of us have. We need to recognize our place in the pecking order. As soon as we stop fighting against God and just submit to God, our lives become easier. When I submit to God, my life, it doesn't just get easier. It gets happier. It gets more peaceful. It gets full of purpose. So number one mistake that Christians make is we think that what we think matters. It does not. What matters is what God says. Now, 
Number two, which we're not going to get into just because we're out of time and this gives us kind of a good segue as far as common mistakes Christians make, part two. The second one, big mistake Christians make, not reading their Bible. If you are not reading your Bible, you're stuck in the mud. What can you do for others if you don't know what God says? Any advice you give, any help you offer can only be your ideas. And we already read in Isaiah 55, 8, and 9 that God's ways and God's thoughts are different than ours and better than ours. So I don't want to offer my opinion, my thoughts, because God's thoughts and God's ways are far superior. This is what I want to bring to people in order to help them. I cannot help myself. I cannot help my wife. I cannot help my kids. I cannot help anyone in my church if I'm offering them ideas that are not found in this book. This is it. We absolutely must, as Christians, get into the Word of God. We must read it every day. We must study it. We must listen to others teach about it. We need to make this book our hobby. The number one greatest mistake we make as Christians is we ignore our Bible. We don't read our Bible. Okay, friends, thank you very much for joining in. Um, You can catch us every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 8 p.m. Central. And on Friday nights, uh, you can actually join us at church. We meet at 6.30, again, 6.30 Mountain Time. And you can find us on the Bible Thumper podcast. Uh, And if you look at Facebook or YouTube, you can find us on the Bible Thumper podcast, Facebook or YouTube channel. Just search for Bible Thumper podcast. That's where you're going to find us. And you can also search for the Church of Grace, and you can find the videos on the podcasts uh, listed there. And then if you're into a podcast, so let's say you're, I don't know, you know, younger than 60 years old and you know how to use a smartphone, you can go to Spotify or Apple Podcast or Google Play or, you know, Audible, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, where everywhere podcasts are found just search for the bible thumper podcast and you'll find over 100 episodes where you know me and some other people i interview people i teach different things about the bible but you'll be able to find it there please find the podcast like it share it download it help us out that gets this podcast in front of more people i thank you very much for joining us and we will catch up with you next sunday night and I'll probably have a guest with me. Have a great evening. Oh, and uh, if I don't talk to you before then, happy Thanksgiving. This Thursday is Thanksgiving, so happy Turkey Day.